Hey, 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 how's it going? Welcome to BFR Tuesday. It is amazingly 2021. I'm shocked. Hold on. Getting out of 2020 feels good. Feels real good. Back into 2021. And I really hope we get back to some of our normal educational activity, like getting into live courses and uh, teaching again, because I haven't taught a class since a live class since last February, I believe. And I'm like going crazy. Anyway, thanks for being here. Um, my name is Ed LaCara. I'm based out of Dallas, Texas. I do this BFR Tuesday every week at 1 p.m. Central. And my purpose is to answer any questions that people might have around BFR, BFR programming, BFR equipment, any of those things that might come up. So the best way to ask those questions is just to go up to your upper right-hand corner. There should be a place where it says chat. I will put in, say hello from Dallas, Texas. Nice, Lewis. Thank God, finally received him. I know it's, it has been a battle. COVID has not been kind to the manufacturing process, but I'm glad you finally got him. Um, do you have any questions? Thank you, Terry. Happy New Year to you as well. Lewis, do you have any questions regarding the, uh, the um, new pump and cuffs and all those things? Well, I'll give you a second to uh, answer that. If we don't have any questions specifically, what I'm going to do is talk about a new study that is um, attempting to get published. I just saw the data um, this week, within the last week, um, and they'll be submitting this paper to the, um, the Journal of Strength and Conditioning. Um, okay, sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I see a difference with the occlusion type. Yeah, you'll you'll notice a difference. It's, the exercise is going to be quite a bit tougher. Um, so I'm going to kind of share my screen and kind of share what um, this new study data. Now, again, I want to reemphasize that um, this has not been published yet. It's in its infancy state. It's going to be submitted for uh, publication here shortly. Um, but I'm gonna share this so you can see. So this was um, looking at increasing um, bench press and back squat. And this was done in football players. I can't say where. Uh, but Division One football players, and there was um, two different uh, groups. There was a subject group, which was BFR, and there was a non-subject group, which was normal training. And so what you will see here is um, the mean 
the mean bench press pre-testing, 304 and a half pounds, standard deviation 43.9, meaning there was people that were less than 304 and a half, there was people that were more than 304 and a half, and it was up to almost a, you know, a little bit over a 40, 40, almost a 44 pound difference, both above and below. And of course that would make sense because we have linemen that are much bigger. We have running backs and cornerbacks that are much smaller. Four weeks, you're seeing, this is a difference in four weeks of using um, BFR. And we wouldn't expect this type of a response in normal training. They went from 305 pounds to 311.6 pounds mean. Um, and you see the standard deviation stayed about the same. This is significant for four weeks of training. Remember, most strength occurs at between 12 and 16 weeks, except for in untrained individuals. These are trained individuals. These are Division I football players. These guys are used to lifting weights all year round, even during the season. So this is a significant increase in just a short amount of time. This was also pre-test, post-test back squat. Look at this number, 416.1 to 440.3. And so you're seeing a significant change in just four weeks. They originally wanted to take this data out to eight weeks, um, but they couldn't because unfortunately COVID hit and they had to shut down. They could only get one data set. Well, they really got two data sets. They got the pre-test, post-test. So I think what we're gonna start to see is more and more of these studies demonstrating um, these improvements. And what's cool about this test and what, the, what they did here as well is that this was in a compound lift. This was in a multi-joint lift, both lower extremity and a multi-joint in the upper extremity, both significant improvements. Um, if they would have taken this out to eight weeks, I would have loved to see what the difference was at eight weeks and at 12 weeks and at 16 weeks. And what I've recommended to them is that they do a, um, they do even, even further comparison BFR and, um, comparing it to the, uh, just the, the standardized training over the course of that 16 weeks. So very cool stuff, just demonstrating these improvements in strength can be significant and they can be short. Four weeks to get strength in a trained individual like that is amazing. Um, so hoping to see more and more of these types of studies come out. Any questions regarding um, that study or anything else that has come across? Um, from a usage standpoint. Uh, Lewis is asking, does the strength increases seen with BFR follow the same type of response curve as non-BFR? Do the gains plateau? Um, I don't know. And I don't, I don't think any study, we haven't seen any long-term studies. We've seen studies of four weeks like this one. We've seen eight weeks. I think we've seen up to 12 weeks. I've never seen anything longer than that. What I would love to see is a full year of training with BFR and what occurs compared to a normal group. So we take a division one football team in the ACC, let's say, which we would expect to have very similar type athletes from one school to another. One school uses BFR, one does not. And we track the training and what the differences, is, what the differences are. I think 
I think the big take home is that these were trained individuals. These are guys that have been lifting. They're Division One football players. They're very high-level athletes. Those numbers, from a change standpoint, would be probably double the amount in an untrained. So we can really take people that are untrained or they've been deconditioned due to injury and really accelerate their gains. Do they plateau? I don't know. One of the things that I had emphasized with this study as from a design standpoint is reevaluating the one rep max every four weeks. Because we're seeing such drastic changes in strength, if we're truly going to train at 20% one rep max, well, we need to reevaluate what that one rep max is. And if we don't do it regular enough, we will get plateau. Meaning if I if my 20% of my one rep max is, let's say, 50 pounds, and that's the only weight I use, and I use that for 12 weeks. If I'm getting stronger at four weeks, that weight might only be 10% of my one rep max at some point. So it's not going to be a heavy enough load. So reevaluating often and regularly is important if you want to continue to maintain and keep accelerating your gains. So I think that the variety of training can be made um, by uh, changing up what that percentage of one rep max is. Is there a benefit to training with BFR on some sort of an interval? BFR X week, BFR for X week. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I don't think we've seen this. We've seen mixed. We've seen regular exercise and then mixed up with BFR exercise. Um, and we've seen benefits with that. We've seen BFR only. Um, I would say yes, in the same session for sure. Usually BFR is after the normal training session. So I do my CrossFit workout. And then after my CrossFit workout, I do a finisher is what I like to call it by doing, because we don't really do a lot of isolated exercise in, in CrossFit, usually with my CrossFit athletes or my um, my Olympic lifters, I'll have them do isolated exercise. They might do a bicep curl. They might do a shoulder to overhead. They might do something isolated in order to improve their overall um, capacity. So you can do it within the same session um, to tr really try to take fatigue to the next level. Now, I think if you're working with an uninjured athlete or a non-compromised athlete, I think you can take them all the way to failure or at least one repetition to failure, anticipate a little bit of exercise-induced muscle damage, and just give them three days of rest, and then you can hit them again. So the only thing that taking to failure does is it requires more recovery time, which I think makes sense just from a training, training standpoint. But... Um, but seeing mesocycles and macrocycles change over the course of a year, we haven't seen that done yet. We haven't seen long enough studies to do it. It's just really hard to do studies that long because of fallout. You know, you might have an athlete, they get injured, they can't test one time. You know, fallout is such a large component of, of um, scientific testing that, and fallout might be disinterest from the athlete. They, you know, they, they, decide they don't want to come back to the to the testing lab. They decide they don't want to keep doing it. I mean, there's so many reasons. Um, that's why we keep studies short, typically, unless we're going to do a um, kind of a like a after the effect study um, where the, the work has already been done. Um, 
science is hard. It's hard to make these tests applicable to the clinical setting. So what we have to do is we have to extrapolate the information we take and say, okay, we're, how do we now use this? And then from there, we need to test it and make sure that what we're saying and what we're thinking is actually happening. All right, well, that's what I wanted to share. Pretty exciting stuff. Hopefully this gets uh, published um, relatively, relatively soon. Do you think that using a concentric only exercise will see a benefit similarly using BFR? Does BFR rely on both concentric and eccentric? No, not an obscure question. What I know is doing concentric exercise will improve your, an isolated concentric will increase your hypertrophy more so than a, um, than a compound. So if I really wanna get my biceps stronger or bigger, I mean, not stronger, bigger, then I would do, I would do concentric exercise, um, isolated, single joint. If I wanna get stronger as, a, as an entity, as, a, as an organism, I would do multiple compound exercises. I think when we're talking about strength and we're talking about hypertrophy, we have to keep those, we have to keep those separate depending on what the goals are. Many people think that there's a correlation, and there's a correlation, but there's not a direct relationship between size and strength. Um, so I think that if we want to increase size is one thing, if we want to increase strength is another, and they're they're almost two separate uh, training parameters. All right, y'all. Well, 115. Um, hope you got something out of this today. And uh, hopefully I'll have more information about this study coming up soon. But looking forward to those guys getting that published and um, getting more information out to the BFR world. Thank you so much. Everybody have a great week. Happy New Year. And let's hope, uh, let's hope that this new year is better than last year. Thanks so much. Thank you.